What's up and welcome to another episode of the Grindline Podcast. You are listening to episode 64 and I am here tonight with Ryan. Tyler's house, uh, we uh, must have blown down or something. Tyler doesn't have any power currently due to the terrible storms we've been having lately. Uh, but me and Ryan are both fortunate enough to have power Woo. and awake enough to talk about the Detroit Red Wings. How are you sort doing? Sort of. I mean, I'm sort of awake. I'm drinking a beer to get me get myself through it. It's not currently one that's on the bracket, which we will touch on, but uh, it's still good nonetheless. It's a Southern Tier Brewing, big fan. But uh, other than that, I'm good. It's we got a deck going in in the backyard, so I'm actually pretty happy right now because the rain stopped, never lost power in the hell that was the weekend, and it's not too bad. Cool. We'll have to do a podcast from your deck. I agree. A barbecue drink. Drink what will then be our official beer by then <laughs> and do a podcast. Uh, I, I guess we'll touch on that first. I had a, I like me it. and Ryan, me and Ryan always drink during the podcast. Tyler says he drinks. I mean, it's normally garbage, but me and Ryan drink during the podcast and we like to go over what beers we're having uh, ahead of time or sometimes during the podcast. So I thought, why don't we get an official beer of the Grindline podcast? So uh, if you haven't seen it, there is is in quotations, by the way, it's not an actual sponsorship. I mean, it would be, well, it was, that's the kind of the goal. I think it could be. So we are, uh, we're going for what we consider our official beer of the Grindline podcast. So if you go to our Twitter, we have polls up for round one. Currently, I believe round one, I put up for two days Mm -hmm. between 16 different breweries, all Michigan. All Michigan-based. They are in two different divisions. I had to split up the powerhouses of Bells and Founders onto separate sides. But you will see the the nice selections. Please go there, vote for them, retweet them, like them. We are actually been um, followed pretty closely by the the different companies that we've tagged in them. They've answered us. They've retweeted us. They've liked the 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 stuff. So what we're what I'm what I'm working toward here is maybe getting a sponsorship from a local beer company to be able to give you guys some cool swag, uh, stickers, social packs, whatever, if they'll send us some stuff. But uh, I, I think it'll be a good, it would be a good plug for them. We reach a ton of people every month and and why not? Right. We drink, yeah, we spend that, a ton of money on their product. Hockey and beer. It just makes sense. I mean, I, I got to say Griffin claw has the early heavy impression on me. They actually put po- posted the photo of, uh, what was it, Grindline Pale Ale? They do have a Grindline Pale Ale, and they are called Griffin Claw. Yeah, see? So they've got two up. The but... affiliation makes sense, but the fans will speak. Yeah, we'll see how the fans speak. Right now, I don't know what's going on with the polls. They're acting funny. People are voting in them, and it's not showing me results. But yeah, uh, hopefully that works itself out. So go there, vote on that. We'd love to hear your feedback. It's probably going to last about a week until a week week and a half we might have a winner by the time we do our next podcast uh as as long as these polls work themselves out but we are going to move on tonight to a little bit more uh i guess relevant content and it only as relevant as it can get because you know it's still the off season and everything sucks and it's kind of quiet nothing's happening so bad it does hurt a lot but I think we we predicted this one or two podcasts ago where yeah. nothing's probably going to happen until after training camp. Mm-hmm. Well, it's pretty bad when you, the only exciting news we have, and I know you're going to touch on it, is a trade for a guy that's never even going to play hockey again. Yeah, that's man. That's the excitement of our life right now. 
and it's just it's not even that it's exciting it's just it's that something hockey related happened so mm-hmm. we have to react to it and there has to be talk about it because if there isn't our minds will shrivel up and turn into dust and blow away because literally nothing is happening i know it's, so, it's in the it's in the season of what if projections lists of here's our best players or top plays and it's just the same it's just the regurgitation summer that's all it is I don't yeah. blame anyone for doing it. That's what you got. Then people are going to come back to it. But my God, it sucks. No, but it also causes every little thing that happens to be like blown up on a massive scale. Like this like, trade. Yeah. So like, so the Leafs traded uh, for, traded Garrett Sparks for the contract of David Clarkson and a fourth round pick. So David Clarkson back in Toronto, which I mean, back in Toronto is a loose term because he'll never play hockey again. Mm-hmm. But Garrett Sparks goes to Vegas. Vegas is fourth round pick and Clarkson goes to Toronto. Now, this to me didn't make too much sense because, yeah, David Clarkson's going to go on LTIR. And apparently, yes, you can LTIR during summer, but you have to get a doctor to say that, that there is no way that player uh, starting at the at next season can play 10 games or for 25 days. So I think that's a little hard to get cleared a few months ahead of time, unless someone has a major, major problem, uh-huh. which is, I think why a lot of LTIR doesn't get cleared until October ish. So uh, what it, what to me, what it does, and you can spend 10% over the cap. What it does is it, it further ties up money that could be used to sign Mitch Marner, right? Yes. I mean, it- so to me, that doesn't make sense. I mean, and the ten percent piece to to your point is only like eight, I think it's eight point two million or something like that for eight million one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Okay, so yeah, based off the because they don't even have an actual hard cap yet set, do they? Is uh, that officially been announced? Eighty one point five. Is that official? Yeah, yeah, that was made official. Uh, draft, draft. No, uh, free agency. Day before free agency. Upper limit eighty one point. Okay, so yeah, I yeah, so eight point one five. So. Which allows you without LTIR to go to 90 million, 190, like uh, over 90 million, a little over 90 million. Mm-hmm. So it's, I mean, sure, you can do that. Right now, the Leafs are 500,000 over the cap before, L, around 500,000 over the cap before LTIR. Yep. Cap which, friendly says right now they're at 82.2. So yes. Yeah. So they have not the players that are going on LTIR have not been cleared yet. So they can only spend up to that 90 million until they get their LTIR cleared. So right now they only have about seven and a half, a little over seven and a half million to spend, which is not going to sign you Mitch Marner. So unless they get on their horses and run to doctors and say, you need to clear these people for LTIR right now, it puts a hold on any Marner progress. Because he already made it very clear that he will not attend training camp unless he has a deal in place. I Which, I mean, it's, it makes, that's, it's, makes perfect sense for him not to. But, I mean, maybe for a guy like him, missing training camp isn't such a big deal because that still gives them enough time to do something appropriate. Because when, when does it actually hit that they can – when does the season officially start? Is it September, right when training camp hits, or is it preseason? Uh, pre- I think October first. So that's the deadline for like making moves for waivers and all that stuff. So that's I when believe, it has to be into effect. I believe it's October first because the season, I believe, starts on the sixth. Gotcha. Okay. So I think everything has to be done by the first. But 
but the the problem with it is is you're running into another William Nylander situation. Does Marner stall out into the uh, couple months into the season? Mm-hmm. Do they get stuff going? Does he get an offer sheet? Do you, this gives teams unless they like I said unless they rush to get their LTIR in in check. This gives teams time to make moves, evaluate players, go through their training camps, figure out what they have and and possibly formulate a good enough offer sheet well Toronto can't overspend because Mariner's not getting a 6.5 million dollar deal. No. And to the extent that a lot of Toronto people are undervaluing Mitch Marner is absolutely insane saying he's only worth 8 million or 9 million. Like Marner's going to get Panarin money. Do you think he's, I don't because think he goes that high because he's younger. You don't think he goes to 11. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, he's young. He, That's the thing. He, yeah. I could see it happening. What, what's the term though? Does he get a max contract? Uh, he's, or does looking, he only take it for like a Larkin type deal where it takes him out to his right at the piece of his prime? What it's sounding like is that Mitch Marner, there was a rumor that Columbus had offered Mitch Marner. Uh, a a deal of uh, seven years, like 11.5, but he wanted five years at that money. Well, they said if they were going to give him that money, they wanted to lock him up longer hmm. to, okay. for a full seven years. They wanted control of him for seven years. So that's where, and this was rumored, I think Elliot Freeman reported on it. This That's rumored that it broke down at that point because he wasn't willing to do a a seven-year deal he wanted a five-year deal so i mean i wouldn't flip out over an extra two years but i mean when you look at it mitch marner is 22 years old if you have him for five years yeah that takes him to 27 that puts him right in his prime which is where you want to be to make to sign your one last huge contract for a ton of money Mm -hmm. 27 i think is a very good age to do that so i i mean the the Leafs right now, if they can't clear that LTIR, are stuck. They can't offer him money. I mean, they can offer it to him and say, we can't sign you until this date because we don't have the money right now. Right. And if he's not signed, if I'm not signed, I'm not going to camp because yeah. I'm not getting paid. Why would you? I mean, you, there's too much at risk there. Yeah, I'm not getting paid. I could hurt myself and then they could pull the contract and be like, no, actually, we're not going to do anything because you hurt yourself. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm that I'm in a holding pattern at that point, unless someone else else offers me and the leaps don't match it. Mm-hmm. Or uh, I say, trade me, trade me to whatever team you want. I just want out of here. So it's, they're making moves, which are okay moves. If you can get other stuff to happen in between, but I mean, it's kind of, I feel like there are a lot of other pieces are depending on it. Cause line a hasn't signed yet. Uh, Kyle Connor hasn't signed yet. he's holding up other people because it feels like a lot of pieces are waiting for to fall until Mitch Marner signs a contract. He's going to turn into the benchmark, but I think he's got that, the leg up on those, the guys that you named, maybe line a, that one surprised me. I think he can go, he'll go for less term and money. Of course. Here's what I can do, but you still can't hide the fact of what that guy can do. He's a goal scorer. That's what you pay him for. Yeah, but I think the big point but, is is the the other RFAs are going to benchmark what they make off of Marner. So say Marner makes 11.5, well, Liney could go, well, I'm worth at least 8 
if Marner got 11. Look at my goals compared to his. Exactly. Or he can go, or so Marner makes 10. Well, then Liney goes, well, I'm worth at least seven. So, which I would agree with that. They're waiting for, I think a general rule is wait for the highest paid person to sign mm-hmm. and then evaluate yourself based on that signing. Hmm. Because if you go now and say, oh, well, I'm Patrick Line and I guess I'll take 6.5 for for seven years. And then Marner goes and signs for 11, 11 and a half. You, you just kind of screwed yourself out of more money at that point. Mm-hmm. Unless you decide you want a bridge deal. You want to say, oh, well, I want to sign a three-year contract or I want to sign a five-year yeah, Winnipeg's interesting to watch because they just had a guy, They just went through arbitration and lost. I think wasn't it? I shouldn't say lost, but Cop got a good deal for two yeah. years. Yep. Uh, the other the other piece of news that happened was the Rangers signed Jacob Truba to mm-hmm. a seven year, eight million a year contract. Which again, no, thank you. Well, it also hurts Toronto. So I had this huge argument to, to the point where I had to block someone on Twitter and that like never happens. I think this but person was overly aggressive and overly is understated. They were just, they were, they were shit disturber. They just literally would, would just toss out insults without actually providing anything. And they would yell and scream and call people idiots and whatever. And they were just numb. They had like 14 followers and just, that's probably why, because they were ignorant. Mm-hmm. They were telling me that there is no way that the Maple Leafs will have cap issues next year and that they'll be able to sign everyone and there will be no problems. Who are they going to sign? To Well, to which I responded with, you literally have one defenseman signed for the 2020-21 season, uh-huh. and that's Morgan Riley. And all but one are going to want some type of race. Well, that, but if you look at Tyson Berry, who they just got, Tyson mm-hmm. Barry is a better defenseman than Jacob Truba. Mm-hmm. Jacob Truba just got $8 million. Because he's an offensive type player, but he's not going to maintain that for that type of term. So don't tell me that Tyson Barry is not going to want $7 million or more. Because Barry is only making $2.75 this coming season. So that exactly. money is going to go, and especially if he has the year that we're expecting, you know damn well he's going to want that payday. Well, look at Jake Muzzin. Jake Muzzin's mm-hmm. making four mil. You don't think Jake Muzzin's going to want 5.5 at least? I bet they let him walk. Uh, you you have to. You So you've got Travis Dermott, who's an RFA. He can file. Uh, I don't think he's he's not. Not arbitration. I don't think he's arbitration eligible. No, because he's 22. Nope. Uh, you've got Ben Harper, who is an RFA. You've got Martin Marinson. He's arbitration who's an, eligible. Yeah, you've got Martin Marinson, who's a UFA. And you've mm-hmm. got Justin Hole, who's a UFA. But next season you only have one person signed and so, Cody CC who's a UFA yeah, well, yeah it's Cody CC though mm. so you're telling me you're going to sign Mitch Marner you're going to lock up almost half of your cap in three players in Marner Tavares and Matthews I mean that's 30 if if Marner got 11 that'd be what 33 million over 33 million between the three players mm-hmm. that's insane like you're no, a crazy person no if you team do that. has anything remotely close to that. No, and Nyland, uh, Nylander's making almost seven. Yep. You're, it's, I just don't understand what you do at your defense at that point where you've got Morgan Riley. You, you might be able to sign Cody Cece again, which that's a garbage thing. I mean, he, him, you got, you got Cece for Zaitsev. They're almost the same player. Mm-hmm. So, 
you're you're looking at a defense where your top pairing is is Morgan Riley and Cody Cece because you're not going to have the money to sign Barry and you're not really probably going to have the money to sign Muzzin. So you're filling it with Dermot Harper, Marinson, who you could probably get cheap and, and bringing in like two or three rookies. And you're telling me you're going to stay a contender. That's you're not, you also need to sign a backup goalie. You're pretty much praying that you hold on to the puck in the offensive zone, the entire game. Exactly, because your point. rookies aren't going to come in and be automatic impact guys and be amazing defensemen. I don't think that ever happens unless you get someone like Erasmus Dallin. It doesn't mm-hmm. happen. No, uh, I don't know. I, I think they'll still they'll still be okay because they still have now, mind you, Horton and Clarkson. That ten mil comes off after the season because both their contracts finally expire. But that ten million is going to go to Marner. And then you have all these, you gotta, I, I think they let Muslim walk because of age and then he's going to want more. CC is the only guy that probably does come back or because Barry's going to want a huge raise, but do you get CC for the same price or does he want more? Like I, there's only three guys I can legitimately think that they may be able to hold on to that are going to be worth anything. And outside of that, and Dermot is their only hope because he's an RFA that's not arbitration eligible, so they can bridge him or just tender him and be, be good with it. So their forwards group set, but that's it. They're in. They're in. They're in trouble. I don't think you can look at cap friendly at what the Leafs have, and of course they're going to send. They've got they have a twenty three man roster right now. Mm-hmm. That's twenty three players. Well, 20, they're gonna... Technically twenty two because Marner's not signed. Yeah, well, they're so they're going to send, of course, they're going to send some people down to the minors, but you're pretty close to your to your roster. Yeah. And I I just don't think at where the cap stands right now, it being a hard cap, you can justify extending Mitch Marner and and say and sacrificing the rest of your team. Basically, mm-hmm. you're rolling at that point, you're rolling one line of Marner Matthews Tavares and your your second line is Kapanen Kerfoot Nylander that's your second line which i mean that's okay but uh, unless you want to switch someone out with Zach Hyman but you're you're not in a good spot if you sign Marner don't forget about Jason basically oh yeah Toronto native Jason Spezza <laughs> But you're not in a good point if you sacrifice literally almost all of your defense. No. Because you want to hold on to Marner. I just, I don't, I don't. But we're a Red Wings podcast. So that's enough talk about the Maple Leafs. Yeah, that went way too deep. Just stop being, stop being ignorant. Do your research, look at it, and be objective because. That's what you need. I mean, you can't just be a slappy and go in with your blue colored glasses on and say everything's fine in Maple Leaf land because you're getting to be like Habs fans. That's the last thing you want to be. So don't be Habs fans. I haven't seen it as much, so I can't comment too heavily. But if you're getting to that level, it's not good. Don't be Habs fans. Don't do that, please. I See, I actually like my, my cousin's a Habs fan, and he can totally relate to this. So, Joey, if you're listening... Screw the Habs. I love you, but that's besides the point. Um, yeah, Toronto. See, I, I get along with their fans when they're in town for games. I love going to the Toronto game. Their cr- fans are loud, but they're so nice. 
Habs fans are loud, but they're dicks. At least the ones I've dealt with. I'm I'm speaking, you know, personally here, but that's just me. I've never had a bad issue or bad uh, time when the Toronto's in town and their fans are around. We talk a lot of shit, but they're a lot of fun. So we're going to move on to uh, what we're going to do tonight is a little bit of roster projection. Uh, we're going to go through line by line and kind of put together the team for next season. Now, this is barring we saw them at the scrimmage, uh, the prospects. We didn't get to see Zadina play because he had a hamstring injury. Mm-hmm. We we but we did get to see most all the other prospects. And I will be at the prospect tournament this year. But we're going to kind of go line by line unless anything crazy happens. This is what our, our project, what we believe the projected lineup for next season is going to be. Yes. So I think, uh, Ryan, I'll let you just start talking about line one. I think we're pretty much going to be in agreement there. Yeah, I don't think there's really any question to what the top line in Detroit's going to be this year. And really, we talked about this in the last one. There's a lot of potential for good here. And of course the captain Dylan Larkin is going to be centering the top line. Yes. I said the captain Larks the C hashtag drop it. There we go. Uh, On the wing will be Anthony Mantha and Tyler Bertuzzi. I don't think there's really any way to question what that top line is. You might flip out Bert for maybe an AA at some point, just because they'll bring speed. Flip out Bert for Zadina at some point. That too. I mean, I think Bert's the expendable one, but having Larkin and Mantha together is a no-brainer. And Bert, he's the playmaker. He can get in there and he can go from the the slot to the bottom to the baseline along the red line there behind the net, and he also can go in front. So he really brings that full as total aspect of what you would want as a winger. So I think that's like I said, Lark. Mantha, Burt is your top line. Yeah, I can't disagree there. They were on fire for for their time together last season. Especially to close the season out, too. Yeah, if Mantha progresses the way we think he's going to progress, even coming off of the uh, world tournament, mm-hmm. then, I mean, it's it's your top line. It's your solid top line. Like I said, you might switch out Burt for Zadina, depending on the situations. But I don't I don't think we can we can do anything against that. And it might, and it probably will finally give us some, a 30 goal scorer in Mantha. Yeah. I mean, I think Mantha could get 30 to 35 this year. Uh, if he, I'll be mildly disappointed if he doesn't get to 35 goals. Now, I know that's going to be a bit of a stretch because of how this roster is overall, top to bottom. But with that line together, and that means they're likely going to be playing with Heronic and uh, whoever as your top pair of defense which we'll get to in a second. DeKaiser probably. Which I'm okay with. I, I think that the possibility of Larkin and Mantha going 30-35 is very real. So I think we'll move on to the second line, and the way I'm looking at it is your second line is going to be Athanasiu. Um, at winger center. Valtteri, huh? Wing? Oh, wing. Okay. Valtteri Filpola and uh, Philip Zadina. I think that's probably going to be your second line. Okay. You get the you get Philpola, and the reason you brought in Philpola is to be a setup guy, mm-hmm. and he is kind of the playmaker that can feed Zadina can get some open ice, and Philpola can feed Zadina for goals. Uh, moving Athanasiu back to the wing uh, opens up the the lanes for him to use his speed to get past defenders more easily without having to be super defensive. Uh, we know he lacks in his back check. We know he's not a strong board battler. 
but it lets it frees him up to be able to use his speed more effectively without having to worry about about the defensive part of the game. He gets to be a rom- uh, what's the better term? I was going to say a roamer, but he gets to just be everywhere and not have a true he doesn't have to worry about the center of the ice or getting back in position and making sure the slots covered and taking away guys from the front front of the net and things of that nature of what you would expect the center to do. You're going to see him flying around like when they would throw him on the third or fourth line with Glendening and Glendening centering. And then Adam Tennessee is just fucking flying up the the sideboard down the ice and they just flip the puck down to him. That gives him that opportunity. And with a guy like Phil Pala, I'm, I'm going to totally agree with your second line. I'm not going to. The only thing I would possibly see changing is that maybe Hiroshi is in the place of Zadina. Um if he's on the roster, which I think he will be. And the other thing would be Nielsen possibly, but with Philpola and Anthony CU, I think you've got a good, those two can kind of go back and forth at center, which I think Philpola is going to be your mainstay anyways. But with Zadina there, we've already seen in his short time and it progressed while he was in Grand Rapids, what he can do defensively. So I don't think having Anthony CU out there with Zadina, Zadina is your goal scorer. Anthony CU is your, attempt at a true playmaker and goal scorer, but you're not sacrificing a lot of D there by having Zadina with and Philpola as a known defender. He's lost a step, but, but when Anthony CU actually plays a full 200 foot game, that could be a line to be reckoned with, especially as a second line group. And there could be some points there to, to be had if they actually click together. And it gives you two scoring lines. So your first line is going to put up points at that point when you free up Athens CU and you bring in a, a decent playmaker like Philpola and you bring in a guy like Zadina who should be scoring in bunches mm-hmm. as long as he gets a good setup. You've got two scoring lines at that point. I don't even think uh, uh, a good setup is going to be something needed this year. I know this is pure speculation and hope, but if things go as we anticipate, he's going to be able to create space for himself. And he, if he's drawing people into him, that leaves Anthony Sioux to just kind of go pickpocket people. And we know that Zadina can either shoot the puck or pass the puck. If we prefer him shooting, but there's a lot of potential there on that second line. And it, yeah. it, it, it could be awesome. Yeah, so you're right there. Your top two lines are putting up points. Yeah, hopefully. Now, your third line is where we start getting a little iffy. So give me your third line, and we'll see if I agree with it. So my third line, based off what we got right now, is likely going to be Franz Nielsen at center. Uh, With what we have left, I'd probably be having Hiroshi at wing. And more than likely, Helm would be who I'd have over there with him just because of what's remaining. I don't really see anything else there. And I'm also going off the straight assumption that Valino does not make the lineup. I don't want to say that, but I'm going, I'm going with the initial belief that he will not be on the starting roster. They're going to put him in Grand Rapids to start out, go from there, see where he is. Even though we've talked about it before, uh, you know, I want him there. I just still, at the moment, I'm erring on the side of reality and caution. So I'm going to agree with you. The third line, I believe, will also be (laughs) um, Taro Hirose, Franz Nielsen, and Darren Helm. 
Do I like that? No. no. Darren Helm is still got a little speed left, though his hands are made of cement. Mm-hmm. Franz Nielsen can still pass the puck, kind of, even though he's a defensive liability. Tara Hirose is great. I mean, as great as we've seen, as great as he can be in 10 games. Oh, yeah. It, he still needs a little bit of defensive work, but, but the hockey IQ is there. There's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot to work with in, in Taro Hirose. Now, mm-hmm. is this a scoring line? No, not at all. This is a line that can hopefully stop the opposition from scoring, but you may get a little bit of production out. Uh, you'll, you'll may get some production out of Hirose because that we saw production in him last season. Mm-hmm. He'll get some special teams time, which will help, but. This, this is a line that's not going to score a lot. Now, I want Valeno to make the roster. I just don't don't know if it's... I don't think it's going... At this point, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. I've been listening to to podcasts. Um, the last one, Red White Authority, uh, Art Regner, even though he sounds like a Muppet. Um, <laughs> and he is the worst fucking questions on the face of the planet. kind of looks like one, too. Art Regner, uh, his last one, talked to Sean Horkoff. Okay, I haven't listened to that yet. Yeah, and Horkoff made me a little hopeful mm-hmm. because he just, when he was talking about Valeno, was like, yeah, Valeno, he's there. He's playing in the tournament right now in um, Plymouth, and he is going to go to camp, and he wants to make the roster. And, and Horkoff made me kind of hopeful, but I'm not getting my hopes up that much. What I'm going to say is if I'm switching someone out in that third line, I am switching out Darren Helm for Michael Rasmussen. Yes, I was getting ready to actually make a, a point that it's who I would prefer on the roster in comparison to what's going to be the fourth line. Now, Michael Rasmussen needs to have a monster summer. Big time. An absolute monster summer. Now, to be fair, it is the first summer he'll get in like two seasons to work out because he was injured the past two summers. Yep. So he'll get a full workout in. He is living, I think, so with Dylan Larkin. They'll all be training together. All the guys are training together in Detroit. I so think him, Molino, and Zadina are all in the summer. Are all here, right? And Petrikov. Yep. Yeah. So I think if if they have a monster summer, if Rasmussen does, I think he'll make the team. You can set him in net front like he's Thomas Holmstrom. Shoot pucks at him, and he'll put him in. And I and I saw a little bit of that I was going through this week and watching the uh, Philip Zadina highlight package. Mm-hmm. And when Zadina was playing with Rasmussen, like Rasmussen sat front, Zadina got the puck to the net. Rasmussen put the puck in. Oh, it was a great combo. So uh, it's it's just the guy you need a screen like Michael Rasmussen, and, and have Zadina just let it go. I mean, he'll score in bunches, but I think that that Rasmussen died down toward the end of the season and part of it was Blashell's fault by not playing him correctly right and part of it was his nagging injury where he sat out at the end because he he was hurt mm-hmm. again the full nhl season definitely caught up to him though i think and and yeah pull, let me rephrase that full nhl season combined with actually playing a full season i think if he has the the great summer, I think he can make the team, and I would put him in the place of Darren Helm Which, at this point. I think that'd be a good line. And to be honest, even if Sedina weren't on that second line, if you've got a Nielsen, Zadina, Rasmussen, you're really sacrificing some defensive play there, but you're also still bringing out potential, kind of like to your point, because you made the comparison of Raz to Homer, 
look at the way Datsuk scored when Homer was in front of the net. Oh yeah, yep. Because you just screen and you got guys that that, can, that know where they're putting the puck. They have an accurate shot. Mm-hmm. So it, if you've got a screen and and you've got a big guy like Rasmussen in front, and the goalie can't see where the puck's coming from, and a guy who can shoot the puck with pinpoint accuracy, mm-hmm. and that's your combo. And if you're moving so, the puck the right way, that means you're giving Zadina time to shoot with a guy like Raz in front. Raz is taking in a defender with him. Boom. You've got opportunities all day. Plus, then it also opens up that backside pass of whoever's at center or in the slot, center slot. So I think at that point, so right now we've moved Aaron Helm off the third line. That so, would be put him on the fourth, which I'd be also very okay with. My fourth line is okay. is then going to be Darren. Uh, will be Darren Helm. Mm-hmm. Luke Glendening. Okay. Oh shit! There's three guys. Christopher N. Okay, I like that. To be so, honest, if that's if we're if we're if making we're the move Rasmussen with Rasmussen in. on the line, the third line, and bumping Helm down to the fourth, I like that yep. fourth line. Now, if we're taking Darren Helm off completely, eh. I will put Jacob De La Rose in. Yes, I don't see that happening though, unless they somehow manage to trade that contract. And I feel like we're going to have hits out for our, our death after this podcast, by the way, with how negatively we're talking about Darren Helm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, that means our extra forward there is Justin Abdulkader. Yeah. And that but, means one of Jacob De La Rose or Christopher N are gone. Now, N can play in well, Grand Rapids. Let's say N can go down, yes. And I think yeah. De La, is De La Rose a two-way? He's only a one-way, right? Yeah. Something has to give. We know that Svechnikov is going to start in Grand Rapids. You're not going to throw him into an NHL lineup Most after likely, being yes. hurt for a whole year. There's yep. no way. But I think that you have to, to move something somewhere. I would not ice Justin Applicator at all. Um, it's just If he's from- rotating in, I would take that over what we had to experience last year and the year before. For principle yeah. alone, I'm not playing Justin Applicator. So your top line is Dylan Larkin, Anthony Mantha, and um, Bert. Tyler Bertuzzi. Your second line is Valtteri Filpola, Philip Zadina, and Andreas Athanasiu. Mm-hmm. Your third line, and I think we're going to stick with Hiroshi Nielsen Rasmussen. I like it. And your fourth line is going to be Darren Helm, Luke Glendening, and Christopher N. That's three centers too on that fourth line. Like you could roll with that's you could technically say they're three centers. Yeah, Darren Helm can play any position. He's listed as all three. Luke Glendening's listed as all three. Um, and Chris spent most of his time at center. Yeah, Christopher N is is listed as a center or left wing. Yeah. So they're versatile. I honestly would probably play N at N or Glendening at center. Yeah. Because they're both pretty defensively responsible. I'd but, stick. I'd stick with Glenn Denning there for now, just because he's face off numbers too. Yeah. So uh, Glenn Denning and 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 um, Helm. That's a fourth line that you can roll with. They're probably not going to get in a ton of trouble. And they they've got wheels. They all of them can skate really well. Helm. Yeah. None of them really have have lost much. We have already. We know that the danger zone's there with Helm still. 
Glenn Denning can still skate around the ice like it's nothing and ends young enough that he's got the wheels to move around so they can get themselves out of a jam if it came down to it, if they're going to be focused on defensive draws. So I, I would that would be a great fourth line, in my opinion. Not going to have a whole lot of offensive pop. We know that they can do it as long as uh, Glenn Denning's on the backhand and Helm has a gaping net, they're good. But it'd it's be not going to put up points, but, but it's, it's not going to sacrifice a lot. It's going to do the job that they're exactly. supposed to do. That's your grinding line of, of just keeping the puck out of our zone. Mm-hmm. So that's your four lines. Justin Ablocator at that point is not playing. He's in the box. Uh, Jacob De La Rose, I mean, it's, it could go either way for me. I mean, it's you could put him in the fourth line, but I'm not heartbroken if he's gone. And Evgeny Shvetchnikov will play in Grand Rapids. Yeah. I'd do not see him playing on this team uh, out Yet. of the gate. He'll get time He'll... this next year, but I don't see him playing out of the gate. Yeah, Like we talked about with him, it's a make or break year, it, which is unfortunate because he was a first round pick and there was a lot of upside. I still think there is a lot of upside. And I think I talked about it last week or two pods ago where I'm still going to hold out hope for him because I would like to see what he can bring for this type the roster and the way like it's going. like to see a first-round pick do something. I mean, we got that from Larkin. I mean, consistently see first-round picks do something. We can hopefully have that from Zadina. Yeah. And I mean, Valino. Hey, if we, get, if we get those three guys clicking finally coming into this season, even if Valino doesn't even get there this year, I think we're still doing okay. And if Rasmussen has the summer this year, he, I've got two years for Rasmussen, maybe three to really start making the impact. I think three years for Asmussen is where he's going to be. Svetch, it's make or break. But I still, overall, I don't think it's too bad. Yeah. Compared well, let's move to years on to past. Defense. Okay. So your top defensive pairing, of course, is going to be Danny DeKaiser and Philip Peronik. Yep. I don't think there's any way you could argue that. Um, your only other uh, left D is Erickson and Patrick Nemeth. Uh, unless you want to roll a top line of, um, let's see, I would then roll Philip Pronik and Chalowski because I mean they're both offensive, so you got to split them up. Yeah, so your yeah, top don't. line is going to be Haronic and De- and De Kaiser most likely. Which makes sense. I thought they played well together, especially toward the end of the season with the way Haronic was playing. So it it allows Haronic to push up more because you know that cement the cement feet of DeKaiser isn't going to be doing that too often. Now, can he still step up and do something? Yes. And that's the nice thing. Even if he were to do that, if Aronik's cheating a little bit, he has the speed to get himself back in a position and hopefully does not take a penalty in the process. But I don't really see any other way you could make that top pairing unless you're trying to say Green's healthy and he's back in there or... Daly's not going to be there. Nemeth possibly as your counterpunch to kind of like DeKaiser will have, but yeah, it's probably uh, 17 and 65, 100, 100%. Yeah. Which would leave your second D pairing as Mike Green and Dennis Chalowski, which I actually like that pairing. I do. Um, I, again, that's an offensive defensive pairing mike green is not the best defensively but defense is what chalowski is going to be working on this mm-hmm. offseason but the biggest thing about that line is i think it's a better puck moving defense than your top pair yeah i mean you're well overall it, it can't be halfway overall it, i think heronic 
Hironic is a better puck mover than Chalowski. I believe he's yeah. a better setup guy. Yes. But uh, Chalowski, it, it, when you put DeKaiser against uh, Mike Green, it's just, there's no no way. So your yeah. setup in, in Green Chalowski is, is a better probably setup pair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know that you've got your shot with Green there. So really what's great about the top two pairs is you're splitting up your right-hand power shots. Yep. Right-handed power shots, I should say. And we know Green, he's been around for however many years now. You know what he can bring back there as long as he's healthy. That It's a great asset to have when he's healthy because he can step up just like Hironic is doing now, and but he can still skate well. And we know Chalowski can skate well. That's a, that's a, the second pair, I think, is your most balanced in comparison yeah. to the first line in regards yeah. to being able to move the puck out of their own end. I know that kind of bit Chalowski in the ass a few times. That kind of That's where around the time we saw him getting scratched for his homecoming game and so on and so forth. But as in terms of mobility and puck moving, especially out of the own end and then set up, I think your top, your second pair rivals your first pair but only because it's the the drop-off competition they're likely going to be going against so that's two i mean that's two decent you have two you've got two d lines or d pairs with with a good defenseman on them not great good well i would say heronic yeah well good so above average and heronic and mike green and you've probably got average to above average right now in Chalowski mm-hmm. and you've got average to maybe you've probably got average into Kaiser. Yeah. And, and for all the doom and gloom, it seems like we always talk about to say that about that top four, it's really not the worst thing in the world. No. And we're about to kick some of that doom and gloom out and get crazy. Okay. Your third defensive pairing is Patrick Nemeth. <laughs> yeah. And Oliver Kasky. Wow. Okay. So who's your seventh? Madison Bowie. Dear God. That means Trevor Daly's gone and Jonathan Erickson sits in the press box. Wow. So wait, Bowie's your seven D, so they're gonna roll you think they actually roll with seven? I mean, I don't see why not. It would make sense because then that gives you that flexibility on the fourth line for off- offensively. I mean, I, I also yeah. really did enjoy more times last season when they would roll with seven defensemen because they looked much more fresh up front and because they were doing that it gave their more mobile defensemen extra breathers which kept them fresh longer and it seemed to have their offense or their the way they were able to push the puck up the ice from their own end it seemed to be more crisp and effective so yeah. I would, I guess I wouldn't be too upset about that because we, because Bowie brings that extra aspect of mobility, and I didn't. He started out rough, but I thought he finished the season really well. Nemeth, he, did. he is, caught on and he was providing some value. Yeah, so I, I like. Yeah, I, I don't mind that at all, to be quite honest. So yeah, and then Koski, we've again, seen his highlights, but that's it. But at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of lot to be hopeful for there too. I need to see Kasky on American Ice, and I don't think it would be hard to take a job from Daly or Erickson no, at all. It's no. not because Erickson was scratched the last so many games of the season. Mm-hmm. Trevor Daly is ninety percent dead. 
which is so which is unfortunate because I definitely was preferring him over Erickson, but he had a rough season, man. It was bad. That was who you tweeted out too, wasn't it? Yeah, that chart uh told told a story and it was a bad story. Mm-hmm. Yep. But uh I think Nemeth and Kasky could come in as as your third pair. As long as Kasky adjusts all right. Yeah, because he played with men. He had a good good world. So he's got it in his shots incredible. That gives you three powerful right-handed shots at the back end, if that's the case. And then Bowie's would be we we'd have four right when's the last time the Red Wings had four right-handed defensemen playing on the ice? Oh, uh, I can't even tell or you. At least, at least in their entire decor at one time. Can't tell you. I couldn't tell you. So what does that leave us with as a roster size? So yeah, so that would put us at a 23 man roster. And that's, that's- 12 forwards and 7D, so there's your 19. Then your scratch D, so there's your 8, so 20. Or, That's 13 yeah. forwards, 7 defensemen, 2 goalies. Who's your, who's your 13th? Ablocator. Oh, that's right. See, I've already forgot. Yeah, so 13 forwards, 7 defensemen, 2 goalies. Okay. I don't see... The only thing that's upsetting is I don't see Daly or Erickson going anywhere. I mean, if all else fails, you just wave one of them. You wave Trevor Daly, or you wave Jonathan Erickson, you wave Justin Ablocator. You think he does? Any of I those? Mean, yeah. I think it happens if one of the guys that are one of the younger players, like a Valino and Rasmussen, if if one of, if two out of three of Valino, Rasmussen, and Zadina push for a roster spot, it forces a hand, and then Koski, for instance, mm-hmm. as well. That definitely forces the hand of having to, and you're waving somebody by that point before the deadline. I think something's going to happen, but as we said earlier, I don't think anything is going to happen until after training camp. Right. And when preseason starts, gears will start turning, teams will start working themselves out. They're going to figure out what they need or what they need to move. And I, the thing we know is that Iserman's not afraid to do something, he's not no. afraid to hurt someone's feelings or give them a spot because he's loyal to them or whatever. He, he's just not going to do that. So it'll be interesting. Maybe he maybe he tries to package Erickson. Like the hockey writer said, plenty of teams would love to have Jonathan Erickson. Which I should not I, name one. I, almost di- I couldn't give him away in NHL 19. No, Virtual teams didn't want Jonathan Erickson. I tried including Erickson with like a second round pick and a decent prospect to just give to a team for like a seventh and mm-hmm. no one would take him. No. Like he was even on team, last. even on teams that want or that he meets their, their standard of a trade for would say exactly. No. They don't want, no one wants him. And I mean, it sounds mean, but it's like, no one wants him. We don't want him because he's hurting the team and there are people that can play that are better than him. Same with Trevor Daly. Trevor Daly's stats are abysmal. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, are they bad? Like, go look at chart. Go, go find someone's random tableau and look at a chart on Trevor Daly, and and just be terrified at how bad he was last season. Which is incredible because I don't because think because he's getting paid three point one six million dollars. Well, yeah, that that part, yes, but I don't think that of all the guys on their their back end to have the season like that that he did that you can't tell me that anyone thought that was going to happen 
I mean, I don't. I didn't. It couldn't I have been worse. It. Well, no, I guess it, you could say it, that it definitely couldn't have been worse because we, as your tweet showed, it was literally the worst thing that could possibly happen back there. Uh, Erickson was almost as bad. He no. had a few numbers that were better, but he was almost as bad. So, I mean, we were like the last defense ever. We were also just named the team with like the worst contracts in the worst contract situations. Mm. Our only saving graces for contracts above average were, I believe, Larkin, Athanasiu, and Mantha. Yeah, because they haven't signed uh, a, a new deal yet. And I think Bertuzzi, because Bertuzzi's making $1.4 and is putting up 20, more than 20 goals. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, uh, we've got, I mean, Justin Abdelkader's contract, atrocious. Franz Nielsen's contract, atrocious. Erickson's contract, atrocious. Daly's contract, atrocious. Gone after this year. So we've got, I mean, we, the the light at the end of the tunnel is coming. 2020-21 is like light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. And then 21-22 is even better. But we'll see. One more top five pick. Yeah. But I think we're pretty much in agreement on top lines. I'm not sure. I know you like my third D pair. But yeah, I'm not sure if you think it's realistic. Liking it and real being realistic is two two very different things. Because, because I your third D pair would be Trevor Daly, Jonathan Eriks. <laughs> no, I would actually it would be Madison Bowie, and then it'll be one of two of Daly or Erickson. That's my realistic approach to it right now. Well, what do you do with Patrick Nemeth then? Just play him as a seven? Nemeth, Nemeth I'm sorry. Nemeth and Bowie, and then you figure out one of two of the others. So then Between. you put one of them as your seven and, and find something to do with the other one. Yep. Okay. Or see, mine, I, I also mine's see much cheerier because you get rid of both of them. I, I like that. I'd, I'd be very happy about that. So, but, yeah, I see Nemeth going back and forth between the second and third pairing. Because if Chilau, I almost also see it could be a Nemeth and Mike Green situation. And then you they're going to shelter Chalowski on the third line. But it, which would mean that he's with Bowie, which I also think is still beneficial to Chalowski. Um, But I also think he would he would hurt him in the sense that he'd have to probably be more focused on D rather than trying to push the offense because Bowie's taking risks. And last year he found himself in bad positions, much like Chalowski did. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't know. All right. Well, I think that uh, I think that wraps up our our kind of line projections there. Yeah. So I think we're going to do final uh, thoughts. Uh, Final thoughts, line projections. We kind of touched on this right before we got going. The wings still have a lot of money to work with going into this season. So I would be very intrigued if things like what you mentioned where Daly and Erickson were no longer on this team, whether it be waived or traded um, or hit with the second buyout window. If he's still available, I wouldn't be upset if they went after a guy like Jake Gardner for one season to really it. The only problem there is it shores up your defense way more than you probably would want to be comfortable as a wings fan. Um, But overall, it's not the worst thing in the world for the lineup of how it could look this year. It's still exciting, especially if Sedina, possibly Valino Rasmussen and those guys that we talk about non nonstop. If they have the summers that we hope they have, and then they come in and just start dominating it helps the rebuild it gets fans excited it puts butts in seats 
and it's it's just hockey so it's fun so that's what i got twitter handle is already ryan 33 nice my final thoughts are our <laughs> polls are updating so yeah, yeah votes are actually coming through on our uh on our official beer bracket so yeah. if you guys go online and search hashtag beer bracket or go to our twitter page at grindline pod please vote in those they're going to help us hopefully get a beer sponsor which would be super awesome because then we might get free beer, but also swag to give people. <laughs> so uh, go on there and vote. Uh, my final thoughts in the hockey-related world are I will see whoever is going to be at the prospect tournament at the prospect tournament that is in September. We're going to be, of course, doing podcasts before that, but you can go to, uh, if you search Traverse City Center Ice Arena, you can go on and get your tickets, get an Airbnb while they're still available, mm-hmm. and just make your plans to go out there. I've been out there a couple times. It is super fun. Uh, you can say hi to me. I will have my uh, the cutest baby in the entire world with me. So it'll be her first hockey game, and it's super exciting. That's cool. Yep. So you can follow me online at Bringing the Wing. More importantly, you can follow the Grindline Podcast online at Grindline Pod. We are now on Radio.com. If you use Radio.com, I tweeted out a link earlier. Um, We are on the app. So if on the app you search Grindline Podcast or The Grindline, you will find us and you can listen to us there, which is super cool because over like 1.5 million people use the Radio.com app. And I found it finally on iHeartRadio. Did you? I did. I found it. It is on iHeartRadio. So we are on iHeartRadio. Uh, I put in a support request with them, so they must have actually read it. We're on literally almost every major podcast network. We are on Apple, uh, which iTunes is switching over to now uh, Apple Podcasts. They are getting rid of the podcast section of iTunes. So we will be searchable a little differently, but nothing will change there. We are on Spotify, Radio.com, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Podbean, and TuneIn. Those are our major networks. We're not on SoundCloud. Uh, we're a few episodes behind on YouTube. I it's just it takes forever to render a video, mm. but I'm going to have to get on those. Uh, you can also check out our merch shop if you go to redbubble.com and search the grind line or check out one of our numerous tweets. We are also still running a contest. Go on, like our post about our Dylan Larkin t-shirt where since hashtag give Larks the C is going around. You can go on, find that tweet, retweet it, follow us, like the post. You can also get extra entries by liking us on Instagram, uh, Grindline Pod on Instagram. I think that's all the shameless plugging I have to do. You start writing that shit so, down, man. Yeah. So, well, it's all in my noodle, <laughs> all up here. So, for Ryan, I am Greg. You stay classy, Hockey Town. <laughs>